Hi, I'm Josh Ritchie with Lone Star Family Farm in Stephenville, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Well, the unofficial start of summer is here with this Memorial Day weekend. And I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to celebrate with a big, thick, juicy steak. In the meantime, I've got another episode of Texas Ag Today ready to roll for you. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, a story that we've had before. We're talking about leverage in the cattle market. Most of that leverage over the last couple of years has been with the packers and the retail segment. But there is hope that it is swinging back toward the producer side of the equation. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As West Texas A&M University continues to grow its agriculture programs, it's going to continue making news along the way. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about plans to expand the feedlot at WT. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has doubled grower participation in just its second year. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have comments from a Protocol Grower member from the Texas Panhandle on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. There has been a lot of profitability in the beef business recently, but unfortunately, most of that profit has been at the packer and retail level. Cattle feeders and especially cow-calf producers continue to struggle, and with record numbers of cattle in feedlots right now, the packers continue to have the upper hand. But the tide is slowly turning, according to Troy Applehans with Cattle Facts. The segments of production that have really been hampered by the market, particularly over the past couple of years, have been the non-confined producers, those cow-calf producers and stocker operators. Their profits have suffered as a result of everything that's gone on. And it goes back to the cattle cycle is alive and well. It continues to be. We've got ample numbers, record numbers of cattle on feed. Just simply a lack of leverage in the marketplace. The thing that's encouraging is obviously that there is a lot of margin in the system. We've just got to get the numbers to come down, and they are wherever we can get some leverage in the marketplace to get some of that margin. Applehan says there have been a lot of monkey wrenches thrown into the cattle market going back to that Holcomb, Kansas packing plant fire through the COVID pandemic and now the Russia-Ukraine war. The recent rains across Texas have been a welcome relief to many farmers and ranchers. Scott Strawn is the county agent up in Ockletree County in the northeast panhandle. First of all, your cattle producers definitely breathe a sigh of relief. At least this is buying them some time because 
they were actually supplementing their cows with hay and still feeding hay as if it was in the middle of winter. And so with this, the grass will green up and maybe give them some relief there on their feed supplies. Strawn says the rain may help finish out some of the wheat crop, but it may be a little late to make a big difference. It could maybe help with some finishing touches on this irrigated crop, but the dry land, it might have been a little too late for it. This wheat was in grain field stage, and it was so far along at that point that on the dry land, I don't know if this will help it a lot, but we'll always take it. Strawn says most of the corn and cotton in Ockletree County is planted, so these rains have come at a great time for those crops. The number of cattle in Texas feedlots has increased over the last month. According to the recent Cattle on Feed report, cattle and calves on feed in Texas feedlots totaled 2.9 million head. That's up 3% from a year ago. However, placements and marketings were both down. Cattle producers placed 395,000 head into Texas feedlots during April. That's down 4% from a year ago. Feedlots marketed 435,000 head during April. That's down 3% from last year. West Texas A&M and Canyon is growing its agriculture program. James Hunt looks at efforts to expand the feedlot at WT. There is a lot going on in the agriculture programs at West Texas A&M University. In fact, in our last report, we talked about the A&M system's plans to relocate the AgriLife Center in Amarillo to the WT campus in Canyon. Another project in the works is renovating and expanding the university's feedlot. The WT feedlot already is a strong resource for educating students about cattle feeding and also for conducting research. But the university wants to make things even better by modifying and expanding the facilities. Beef cattle feedlot management professor John Richardson says a major facet of the plans is the addition of commercial size pens that can hold up to 70 head per pen. The current pens at the WT feedlot are small, about 10 head per pen. Dr. Richardson says when the larger pens are built, it will help researchers in a number of aspects, including animal nutrition. The way cattle consume feed, it's different in a bigger group than a smaller group. And so if you're wanting to look at anything related to like feeding behavior and that sort of thing, the larger pens really give you an advantage to more closely resemble what occurs in the commercial industry. At the moment, there is no precise timeline for when the feedlot expansion project will begin. Design work is yet to be done, and Dr. Richardson says fundraising is not complete. We've had several donors step up already, and we're certainly grateful for our donors that have uh, helped out so far, but we do need to raise a fair bit more money to get started. A big boost to the West Texas A&M feedlot project came earlier this month when Merck Animal Health announced a $500,000 donation. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has doubled farmer participation. Tom Nicoletti talks with a Texas cotton farmer about the program. The U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has announced that uh, farmer participation for the 2021-22 crop doubled since the program's pilot last year. The Trust Protocol's mission is to bring quantifiable and verifiable goals and measurements to the key sustainability metrics of U.S. cotton production. And one of those growers uh, is on the line with us today. His name is Barry Evans. He is in 
the Texas Panhandle in Swisher County. And uh, Barry, why is doubling grower participation important? Doubling grower participation is very important. It helps show how progressive the farmers are here in the Southwest. The Southwest, we have about 50% of the total cotton acreage in the program, which is just a great success story. Whenever we sell our cotton, to a merchant. The merchant's just the middleman. The person that drives those purchases is the end consumer. And we're seeing that the consumer is demanding more transparency all the time on where the goods come from. We're seeing the brands and retailers right now, they are making lists of sustainable raw materials, not just cotton, but other raw materials that can be made into clothing. And they are making public commitments that 100% of their sourcing is going to come from those lists over the next few years. In the United States, we have such a great success story on how good we grow cotton, but if it's not verified and you can put numbers to it, it doesn't mean anything. Other people around the world don't know it. So the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol call verifies what we're doing in the United States, and we're going to be at the top of that list whenever whenever they're looking to source cotton. Now, during this uh, second year, the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol has doubled the number of U.S. cotton uh, growers in the program with an estimated 1.1 million cotton acres enrolled. And Barry, how does this program allow for cotton farmers to produce enough cotton to meet demand? There's not a trade-off between sustainability and good environmental stewardship and economics. If you're putting out the inputs like you need to and and the economics all work, when you when you take care of the land, the land takes care of you. And so the economics works fine. And when you ask the question of how do we produce, it's just it's just good farming practices. Technology has allowed us to do so much. And whenever we look at the last 20 years of where technology has has brought us, we have such a smaller environmental footprint. Our fuel usage is way down based on what we produce. Our irrigation water is way down based on what we produce. It's because we're more efficient. And the technology has done so much to help us do that. And whenever I say more efficient, that's making more product with less inputs. There's no telling where we're going to be on the next 20 years. We will be able to produce the cotton that, that the world needs. Barry, how can other growers enroll in the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol? If you're a U.S. cotton farmer and you're not enrolled in the protocol now, I would really encourage you to please get enrolled. You can go to trustuscotton.org. That is cotton farmer Barry Evans with the U.S. Cotton Protocol in the Texas Panhandle. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been a monumental year for Texas anglers. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And tying up is a syndrome that affects a horse's muscle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions and contestants are limited to one entry per person. 
Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Tying up is a syndrome that affects a horse's muscle. Dr. Bob Judd says feeding the correct diet can help prevent this syndrome. Tying up usually causes muscle stiffness, can cause severe muscle damage, and can even lead to kidney damage. The syndrome is actually called exertional rhabdomyolysis, and it can occur as a single occurrence or can occur as a chronic syndrome. Dr. Jennifer Madeira indicates in the horse publication that sporadic episodes occur with overwork, especially in hot and humid weather. Horses with the chronic syndrome have hereditary conditions that lead to tying up, and a muscle biopsy or a blood test is required to make this diagnosis. As far as nutrition to help prevent the sporadic form, the basis of the diet should be good quality hay and pasture. The horse should be fed 1.5 to 2% of their body weight in hay or grass per day, which is about 15 to 20 pounds for a 1,000-pound horse, and this depends on the horse's condition. Forage holds water in the gastrointestinal tract, which can help with dehydration during exercise. Feeding straight alfalfa is discouraged because it provides high calcium levels, which can lead to metabolic imbalances and excess protein that requires the kidneys to work harder. Dr. Meg Sleeper from Florida believes testing of pasture and hay is important to know the nutrient content. However, forage alone generally does not provide enough energy for horses in athletic events, and concentrates like grain or pellets are required. It is important to feed only moderate levels of non-structural carbohydrates and a fat supplement for energy. Too much grain can lead to an increased risk of tying up due to the high levels of carbohydrates. It is also a good idea to supplement your athletic horse with vitamin E as an antioxidant. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas anglers have reeled in some big lunkers this year. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. It has been a monumental year for the Toyota Share Lunker program. The first few months of each year, anglers who catch largemouth bass weighing more than 13 pounds may loan their catch to the program for selective breeding at the Texas Freshwater Fishery Center in Athens. Tom Lang, director of the center, joins us with more. We've had 24 legacy class share lunkers turned in for spawning during our collection season. That was January, February, and March. And we paired those up and we had a good number of spawns this year. And those fingerlings are already being restocked back out into Texas lakes. All those share lunkers have been returned to their home waters. This year's loaned lunkers surpassed last year's numbers. We had 23 legacy class last year, and we had 24 this year. And if you compare apples to apples, because the seasons have changed, if you look just January, February, and March over the course of the history of the program, we'd have to go back to 1995 to find a year where more had been turned in during this time frame. That's really exceptional, I think. And, and that year we had 27 turned in. And frankly, I know that there were a number of lunkers this year that didn't make it to us for whatever reason. I think 
One was all the way down in Falcon, and the guy was in a kayak, so he had no real good way to take care of that fish. So he went ahead and let that go, and we applaud that. That could have been another one. Easily could have been at 25, and there were some others we know of, too. So just a heck of a year, a heck of a great fishing year. Nine different water bodies produced sherlunkers this year. Four entries even set new lake records. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We wrapped up the trading week on Friday with a lower close in the cattle complex while corn and wheat finished higher. We'll check all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. 2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex ended on a lower note to wrap up the trading week on Friday. We ended in the red in both live and feeder cattle futures. June live cattle dropped 22 cents, 132.17. The August down 20, 132.40. October live cattle down 12 at 138.05. August feeder cattle down 35 cents Friday to close the week at 166.32. The September down 42 cents, 169.30. October feeders down 72, ending at 171.82. Cash fed cattle market wrapping up the week, selling most of our cattle here in the south at 137. That's a buck lower compared to the previous week. Northern dressed cattle traded for 223, that's $3 lower compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were higher Friday. Choice was up 96 cents, 264.93. Select up 226 at 246.69. Now let's check the auction barns. Larry Marble checks in on the latest sheep and goat sale in San Angelo. Benny Cox had a sale sheep and goat wise on Tuesday. Benny, how many noses did you end up counting? Larry, we had 8,100 and sold them in a one day, which lasted for a long time. We actually had some rain showers come through and we shut the sale down for a minute or two, but it was after 9 o'clock before we finished selling everything. Uh, we hadn't had enough of these wool feeder lambs for the last month or so to establish any kind of a trend. Slaughter lambs last, you know, were a good deal lower last week. They were 20 to $30 lower again this week. Slaughter ewes, they sold near steady. These kid goats, they were 15 to $20 lower. Uh, of course, they took a lot off these goats last week, and I mentioned it uh, yesterday, I 
believe. A lot of these really thin goats and really lightweight goats, uh, they've, they've discounted them a good deal. Slaughter nannies, they sell from 110 to 171, mostly 141 to 156. Uh, slaughter billies from 170 all the way up to 260. A lot, you know, most of them bring over $2 if they're in good flesh. Uh, wool feeder lambs, the few that we did sell, sold in a range from 220 to 249. Slaughter lambs, the hair sheep type, the lighter end of those from 220 to 280. Uh, not many of them over 240 or so, I'll tell you. Uh, the heavier weights from $2 to 275 Looking at the slaughter ewes, they sell in a range from 80 to 125 but mostly 86 to 108 Kid goats, 270 to 430 but mostly 330 to 394 Those uh, those really nice kids that, uh, you know, way up there in that 60 to 70 pound range and good flesh, which is a low percentage of the goats being shown, uh, most of those will bring over $4 a pound still. At Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo, Benny Cox, tell everybody how to get a hold of y'all. They call me on my mobile. It's uh, 325-234-4277. The office is the same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished lower on Friday. June hogs down 70 cents at 110.40. July hogs down 10 111.72. Class 3 milk was steady to higher. The May contract unchanged at 25.19.100 weight, while June milk was up 26 cents, 24.51. The cotton market closed lower. Traders continuing to keep an eye on the West Texas weather forecast. It looks like the 1 to 5 day outlook shows no rain in the forecast, but the 6 to 10 day does allow for better chances. The U.S. drought monitor came out on Thursday. It continued to show West Texas in extreme to exceptional drought despite the recent rains. We close with July cotton down 119 points Friday, 139.42. The October down 97 at 130.15. December cotton down 138 points at 122.95. Both corn and wheat put in a higher close to wrap up the week. The big news in the corn market over the past week has been that China and Brazil are getting closer to a deal to allow Brazilian corn to be shipped into China. That weighed heavily on the market earlier in the week, but we made up for some of those losses on Friday. July corn up 12 and a quarter, 777 and a quarter. September corn up 10 and three quarters, 744 and three quarters, while December corn was up 11 and a quarter. 7.30 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat finished higher Friday. July Kansas City wheat up six and three quarters, 12.35 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up 14 and a half at 11.57 and a half. In the energy markets Friday, July natural gas was down 16 cents at 8.72. July crude oil up 77, 114.86 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 458 points at 33,095. The Nasdaq up 349, 12,091. The S&P up 86 points, 4,144. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.